This is a main hustle media podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the single simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Main Hustle Media podcasts are recorded on the traditional lands of the Karankawa, the Chumash, and the Tongva people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine Fury, aka the Blasian Blurred, the busiest mixed race by gender bisexual polyamorous atheist comic book nerd cat mom and two-time asian american podcasters association's golden crane award-winning podcaster in this podcasting game uh this is episode 174 and it is i believe the fifth installment of the mix onto confidential i need to drop a disclaimer here uh at the time i'm recording this this is very late on monday june 13th which The episode is only supposed to drop at midnight on Tuesday, June 14th. I just got back into town. I had a family member had a medical emergency, and we left the state to be with them. We just got back last night, and today has just been pretty much running errands and trying to get our household back on track since we've been gone for a few days, get our cat situated, things like that. And so I actually haven't had a chance to do an edit on this episode. From what I recall from our recording, I did run long. I think it's an hour and a half discussion between Teresa and myself. And for the life of me, I'm so tired. I don't remember what we talked about, so I'm going to let the episode speak for itself. I just wanted to record this quick disclaimer, knowing I wasn't going to get a proper edit done um, by the time this episode was going to drop. I am choosing to prioritize getting the content out over doing a clean edit um, so that I stay consistent on timing. Um, plus, I just really trust that the conversation Teresa and I had was is going to be fine and doesn't need a whole lot of editing. I just don't recall if it does, to be honest. Um, I don't have much else to say because, like I said, I'm exhausted from traveling, the whole thing. Um, but two things I want to acknowledge is um, I wasn't aware of this at the time, but last week was considered Mixed Race Heritage Week. I don't know if this is a new thing if it started just this year or if they, or if it happened before, but it just came across my radar this year. And so it was happening while I was traveling that I noticed it. Uh, so I don't acknowledge it in this recording because I didn't know that it existed. Um, the other thing that I didn't acknowledge in this recording, and, and really I don't know how it didn't come up, um, is the the celebration of Loving Day, which happens on June 12th, which is a celebration of um, the decision for Loving versus Virginia to make it legal in this in this country, United States, for interracial couples to marry. And so every year on June 12th, we honor the Loving family uh, for the fight and the sacrifice that they had to have to help all of us exist legally, really. Um, and so I just, you know, want to acknowledge them again as we do every year because it's really significant for those of us here in the United States that they fought the government to be together. Um, For context, I am only 44 years old. 
Loving versus Virginia happened when, 10 years before I was born. Um, both of my parents are biracial and were born before Loving, but um, they were military families, which I've talked about before. Usually military families got a, a pass. Also, I grew up on the West Coast. My, my parents were both born on the West Coast as well, or my mother was born on the West Coast, but both of my parents were on the West Coast when uh, they were young, and um, it wasn't really enforced there where they were, plus they were military families, so they tended to get that pass. Uh, so while it was not necessarily illegal for them, a lot of states in this in this country, it was still illegal. And so the Lovings uh, did really have to choose each other every day to get through this fight, and I just want to honor them and appreciate that they did do that. Um, and then lastly, before we jump over to today's episode, um, as I mentioned, we're coming up on our fourth anniversary of Militantly Mix, and I'm I'm looking forward to celebrating it in a big, bad way. Um, I've gotten a few email messages and stuff like that, asking questions about, about what we're going to do. Um, I don't really have a plan or anything. I know in the past we've had people send in voice mem messages about how they feel about Militantly Mix, so that's a possibility if you want to email me a voice message. Charmaine at militantlymix.com, S-H-A-R-M-A-N-E, and, um, or, you know, you can send in a message or something like that, and I could do a screenshot or read it on the air. Um, we've done an Ask Charmaine Anything kind of thing before, so if you've got questions that you want to ask about myself or Militantly Mix, feel free to send those over as well. Um, I might try to talk to a couple of people that have been on the show in the past. I, I honestly haven't thought much about it yet. Um, I mean, I have thought about it, but I, I haven't started to plan anything because it's been such a chaotic um, couple of months. So looking forward to whatever is going to drop. It is going to drop on the 5th, though, I will tell you that. Um, and that is our actual fourth anniversary. So we'll see what happens. And then we also would like to try to hit $500 a month on Patreon by July 5th, which is just in a couple of weeks. We're only at 3 Oh, six at the moment, so it's cutting it tight, but given how many listeners we are, I'm pretty sure it is possible for us to hit that 500 a month um, on Patreon. If you'd like to, to do that, please go to patreon.com slash militantlymixed, and you can sponsor as low as a dollar a month to as high as anything you wish, and uh, there are different reward levels depending on what you choose. Getting us to $500 a month will allow for a lot more in our um, production to be done that, that doesn't require, um, or that does require money that I don't have right now. Um, I'm also looking forward to trying to get to a place where I can start doing um, travel shows so that I can come to the towns near you and y'all can see a militantly mixed recording in person. Um, so those are the goals. We're, we're, we're trying to get to another level for militantly mixed for year five. Uh, so if you'd like to sponsor us, that is the best way to do it. Or you can also drop some coins in the tip jar on PayPal, paypal.me slash militantlymixed. And uh, there's also the Main Hustle Media Venmo. It's just at Main Hustle Media, M-A-N-E, like my name. <sighs> okay, I'm exhausted, y'all. Um, like I said, this is an unedited episode that is about to drop. It is a mixed Auntie Confidential episode with myself and Auntie Teresa. And uh, we'll be back every second Tuesday of the month with other Mixed Auntie Confidential episodes. Uh, please be sure to follow Auntie Teresa Stovall on her blog, uh, Mixed Auntie Confidential at Substack or on Substack. Uh, there's a link to the show notes in that as well. And uh, and you can follow Teresa at Teresa Talks on Twitter and Instagram as well. And I think that's it. So without further ado, here is myself and Auntie Teresa Stovall for another edition of the Mixed Auntie Confidential.
And don't forget to be your next asshole. back for another edition of the mixed auntie confidential this is episode five of the mixed auntie confidential and uh i'm joined again by auntie teresa stovall why don't you tell everybody what we're getting into today hey hey y'all today is the intersections of intersections <laughs> the intersections of intersections i like it intersection of intersections and um you know, y'all know I always have these questions and I'm always more grateful than anybody could imagine for Sir Auntie Maine and these conversations and all y'all, especially when you respond, chime in, comment, come at us, get at us. Because um, I'm just somebody who always has questions. Now, remember, context, I am a boomer. I'm cool, but I'm still a boomer. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so that's my you know generational context and so as we all know and one of this is one of the things I happen to personally be thrilled about and enjoy very much in the uh, continuing battle to help humanity evolve and be more sane <laughs> young folk in general I, I'm crediting young folk i.e younger than boomers at generationally for helping to evolve all of us off the gender binary and off the sexuality binary and teaching us the difference. Mm-hmm. Gender because and sexuality are different. <laughs> and because first of all, and please always be patient with, with the, your elders, seriously, because you all understand things that we just don't understand. And again, such is the way of, humanity that you all have fluencies and awareness of nuances and complexities that we don't have now we do bring wisdom and context as well but we are and should be learning from you you are the present and the future we represent the past and that's that's real um so my here my question here my question so when I'm I'm privy to this, and you all should know, I'm always hitting up our sir Auntie Maine here with, okay, girlfriend, help me with this one. <laughs> so she helps me grapple and understand, right? And really, so I feel much more knowledgeable going out into the world. And then, of course, I have conversations with my fellow boomers. Y'all don't even want to know. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, y'all need a sir Auntie Maine in your life to help you understand <laughs> these things because this is the world we're in. Like, I now get an attitude when I see a government form or even still making an airline reservation, male, female, I'm like, people, 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 can we get up with the times? But anyway, <laughs> especially the airlines, I'm like, what do we, never mind. Yeah. But y'all know. So you're seeing all this with gender, especially, and we, and to help it along and to help all of us learn, be better and do better. We have language. Language is evolving. We have terms. It might be a new term. It might be a new application of a term or mm. an expansion of a term or further clarification. I mean, all these things are happening once, right? 
and I'm just on the gender tip right now. Mm -hmm. Now we just move over because y'all are helping us understand that there's a sexuality tip too. So just because someone is over here on the gender spectrum, one cannot assume where they might be on the sexuality spectrum. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, remember, for us boomers, our heads are not going, boing, 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 because, because we have grown up. What do they know? <laughs> have, yes, because we have grown, again, please be patient with us and, and understand, we've grown up with the binary. We've grown up, we knew nothing but the binary. That's not to say there weren't people who didn't fit it. Mm. As we were growing up, there have always been people who didn't fit it. We know a lot of indigenous cultures acknowledge these things long from the beginning. But USA, boomer, Western society, patriarchal, white supremacist, la di la di la di, binaries. All we know are binaries. Mm -hmm. So you try to bust us out. We're like, wait, 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 how, what? what is it? How about he, he? we were the ones like, and I did it too. And I'm a language person. I was like, okay, I get they, them, but is that? Is that, you know, is that singular or are we going plural? Like, and I saw your post about it's it's often always been plural. So that helps. But again, we're learning. We're on a learning curve, y'all. So I love and appreciate and thank you in advance for your patience and understanding. <laughs> thank so, you. Here we so we got the gender spectrum. We're expanding. We're learning new things. We're we're learning to acknowledge that humans are not stuck in this on this two lane street. We're decolonizing the concept of gender. Colonizing gender, thank you, and taking it from a little two-lane rickety road to a multi-lane <laughs> to an LA eight-lane freeway, <laughs> eight-lane freeway with everybody whizzing. Right? Okay. Same with sexuality. Mm -hmm. We're and I, I joke, but when you say LGBTQ. IA plus, I'm like, y'all cannot add no more letters because by now <laughs> there's like 30 letters in there at this point now. I can't keep yeah, track of the letters and I'm in the community. Right? So <laughs> no, I just, my thing is like, y'all, I don't know, you know, at least make it spell something. But anyway, these are my little jokes. It I'm does. Like, it's okay, lettuce, uh, guacamole, bacon, tomato. What? Quesadilla. <laughs> I saw this oh, on the, oh, I saw this on the TikToks. That's just, now I'm just hungry for some. <laughs> I saw it What's on the TikTok. <laughs> Lettuce, guacamole, bacon, tomato, quesadilla. <laughs> now, I can remember the letters. I'm just saying, I'm just saying lovingly and jokingly, y'all cannot add no more letters. But the point is, of course you can, and you should, and you will. But it's not an acronym that actually spells like guac. Mm -mm. I was actually going to say it smells guacamole, like gay, and then you, and then A. I was like, okay, yeah. That's a new one. But anyway. We didn't get it. So here's my question. Here we are. We are racially, ethnically, nationally, sometimes religiously mixed. We are mm -hmm. intersectional people. If in no other way, we are intersectional, we are mixed, and we are, and I mean this in a positive sense of the word and just, but also realistic, messy. And we're messy because we live in a binary controlled and defined white supremacist, anti-black racist society. Mm -hmm. so whatever your, you know, your, your different um, aspects of identity might be, however they show up, however you process them, there's no right or wrong, good or bad. We're all different. But so, but my little brain can't help but go, okay, we got the gender spectrum. We, we're busting out the binary. We got the sexuality spectrum. We're busting out the binary. What about 
the race ethnicity spectrum. exactly i mean we've been done busting out the binary and yet everybody's like how can you be more than one thing at one time me existing as more than one thing at one time. <laughs> well, you might have to add a new title to your ever lengthening intro of yourself, which I'm always amazed that you could remember, but um, which is you are, I don't know what the word is, but somewhere spectrum has to be in there that you really represent a whole, you know, all of the, what you just really represent is the reality of humanity. Mm. When it's not boxed in to binaries, when it's not oppressed by insistences that one can't be or must be Mm -hmm. anything. Right. So I I love this topic. When you you pitched it, I was like, oh, this is perfect because it's something that's been kind of on my mind generally anyway. And it's like literally a part of my daily day to day's existence is, you know, being a person who identifies as. Uh, or for a long time has always identified as bisexual, but also recently finally coming to a term that suits my gender identity, which is bi-gendered. Because I always said, like, I'm not non-binary. I'm literally the binary. I feel both Mm -hmm. masculine and feminine. And I feel like that simultaneously at the same time that sometimes I feel them separately um, and needing to find a term that made me feel comfortable within that. And then just, of course, my entire life being... um, I guess technically a tri-ethnic or tri-racial, let's go back to tri-ethnic. Like, I have three ethnicities, but I have two races, really, because, you know, my my mother was more yellow-white and my dad was more black. And so if I'm going by biracial, I guess I can also be considered biracial based off the the races of my parents. Um, And then now I don't have a, like, I don't have a race. I don't have an identifying uh, race or anything. So going with all the let's just for the for the purpose of like clean cleanly by gender biracial bisexual like the triple b's um I, I walk around like this at all times and i'm just trying to figure out like why are some of these concepts so much harder to grasp in the areas of race and i'm talking about from my experience because i, I like people always question how i can exist as a multiracial person and and how especially as an ambiguously presenting one how do i get to be black how do i get to be asian um and but they can get the idea of me being attracted to both masculine presenting men and feminine presenting women at one time like you understand the idea of attraction to more than but that but that understanding is new well, true. Yeah, I guess so. Because a lot of times it was like, oh, you, you're just waiting until you're going to be all the way gay or you're experimenting and you're actually straight. Yeah. yeah, that's true. You're right. You're right. That's new. Like certainly 20 years. And I'm being generous here. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. a new concept for most of society, just as a, as in general. Yeah, I mean, I'm not including Gen Z in this, but that you know, Gen Z was already there, I think. Yeah, they, they've that. attached to it a lot earlier. But, I think. but they're growing up with it. So you're, you know, whatever you grow up with is more integral to your, to your, to your right. sense of being and to how you look at the, and to your worldview, how you look at the world, how you perceive and interact with other people. So like, for instance, people could look at me, I'm super light-skinned, super ambiguous looking, and I literally present as everything to every group. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I wish I had statistics, but I don't, but, but I also, I'm 
black i like you i grew up in a black mixed black but black environment um and i generationally had something that younger uh mixed black folks don't necessarily have which is i'm now realizing a form of privilege i have and some people would have said it was oppressive but i've grown up with pre- presumptive blackness yeah if you got some black in you you black girl like yeah you, and i even i had that you did too that's what i'm saying yeah even i had that yeah and- the generations that that follow me don't have that. They don't and have that presumptive blackness. And so, of course, you and I are both curious as to yeah. what that means. And we could talk about that. But in terms of, but so, so why, so is it possible? You and I both know we exist. The last census made it very clear that multiracial population is growing, is one of the fastest growing categories in the United States and in some other countries, but in the United States specifically. And so how long are we going to say jock in this binary? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and we also, it just happens to be coincidental. So well, two things, I guess, to get us all back into this thing, too, is one, last time we talked about white passing, white presenting, white presumption, a white assumption and we had a bunch of responses to it and we are gathering all those responses i've mentioned it on an episode later too that we're gathering those responses we're talking to other people who have that experience level so that when we come back we can talk about it with even more information and more things but we were thinking about talking about it today and then we were like wait a second are we ready because we haven't really been able to like process and and um analyze some of the stuff that we've received not to mention some of the people that we would like to talk to that come from those experiences that can share with us. So I'm acknowledging that to say if uh, we are going to get back into it on a future episode of the Mixed Auntie Confidential, uh, we're not there yet, but we we're like literally talking about it constantly. <laughs> so we're getting there. Yeah. So that so there's that that note. The other note is that the day that we are recording this is June 7th, which is Prince Day, and so we are both rocking our Prince. Um, uh, we're just living a, a purple life right now. I'm wearing my purple t-shirt that says game blouses with a stack of pancakes mm-hmm. uh, referencing the story that Charlie Murphy tells on the Dave Chappelle show about playing basketball with Prince and uh, Auntie Teresa's got a full purple suit and you got Prince in the background hanging out. And my Prince it's just like a box that a friend sent me, and I just love it. I just keep, I, I love keep that box. It's like purple, and it's got a face. Oh, and actually, I am wearing a Batman logo necklace, which is what I wear anyway. And I just realized Bat Dance, See? which I Bat even Dance. talked about earlier. I'm going to be cosplaying one day as the uh, as the Prince Batman Two Face uh, Joker setup. Um, so we're we're talking about. I'm going to play a little bit of Prince in the background. Uh, my favorite song, I Will Die For You. Uh, so we're, we, when we started to talk about this idea, I'll just play it for a little bit. Uh, that way I don't get a copyright <laughs> thing too. Um, we talked about this idea and then we also just aware of it being Prince A. You and I are both big Prince fans and stuff like that too. So we were like, oh, of all the examples of people who can exist as one identity through multiple identities and not get a whole lot of heat on it, Prince is very much an example of someone who can like live in fluidity and be a whole person and people give him room for that. They gave him room for that in the eighties. Um, and as a queer person, of course, I will acknowledge that he eventually did kind of step outside of the 
that belief about it's okay to be fluid in your sexuality and stuff like that once the once the religion hit um but that was towards the end of his life and there was other stuff going on there too so i neither of us feel equipped to talk about whether or not that was prince prince or if the 50 years that preceded <laughs> the 50 years of fluidity that preceded that was more Prince. And I'm going to go with that because that's the, that's the work. Like he's such a significant person that I identify within queerness, even though he himself is not, was not a uh, sexually queer person, I guess. We'll never Maybe. know. We don't really know, like unless somebody's memoir comes out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we do know about a lot of the ladies. We know that he could pull the ladies, but um, okay. but in terms of just like gender expression, definitely very fluid. Um, getting to own his entire masculinity while literally wearing a blouse, you know, like that, <laughs> and yeah, and makeup, and, and you know, and platform shoes, right? Like this is a person who I think. Uh, also can very much embody some of the stuff we talked about. And although not mixed, a very light-skinned person who sometimes was assumed as a mixed. Well, and he played with that. He did, yeah. He played with that. And that was part of, by the way, my family's from Minneapolis. Um, that was part of the Minneapolis and also where I was born and grew up, Seattle, is the, that's a whole nother conversation. But just for reference and context, I want to say that that whole thing about mi that Black-white mixedness was very dominant and prevalent from the 50s, 1950s, when I was born and grew up. Mm -hmm. And we, then we go visit Minneapolis in the summer. So what I noticed in Purple Rain and when that, you know, was when he really exploded into the mainstream, um, he was playing with that. Yeah, he was he was playing with that perception. And then, of course, for years, many people were debating. And I only knew that he wasn't, quote, unquote, mixed because I have family members who knew his family members. Right. Other and his, his siblings. And I asked them and they were, Oh no, no, he, he blacked. Da, da, da. But th that's a very good point. He, he deliberately in all three areas mm -hmm. played with people's perceptions. Again, in the 1980s, we're talking about over, you know, what is this 40 years ago? It's on, yeah. It's good. It's in that. It's in that one. This is a moment. I need a second. <laughs> I wasn't born yet. I'm no, just kidding. I was yeah. wrong. When I tell people I was born in the 70s, like younger people, they're just like, oh my God. And I'm like, I mean, <laughs> like I'm still walking around looking yeah, like no, this. No, like, wait. That's okay. Cause I'm acting like the, the 80s were 20 years ago, girl. So, I, I think we all do. For real. Like, oh, wait, wait. That's 40. But no, but he was doing it 40 years ago mm -hmm. before, and especially in black spaces. Before anybody else was doing it, light in the way that he did it, with the impact that he had, just to acknowledge the, the, the very important truth you shared, Charmaine, about the later years and the religious thing. The reason I don't focus on that is because he, his legacy was already set. It affected the culture by that point. The and culture, the culture adjusted. He was iconic to what he did. His yeah. work. Yes, his work, regardless of whatever he, like you said, he was going through personally or spiritually, the body of the most of his work that is the most iconic, the most popular, the best known globally and possibly on some other planets, I wouldn't rule that out, <laughs> um, represents the, 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 the integrated fluidity and the non-binariness of Prince Rogers Nelson. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That right. the bulk of everything that what that we all know that we consumed that we loved and adored and that that shaped us and our perceptions 
and that laid the groundwork for the evolution that's happening today. That to me, that was his legacy. Yeah. And it was almost, I can look at the religious thing almost analogous to that was his retirement. Like, you know how somebody, <laughs> that was my work. Okay, I'm retired. Yeah. I ain't doing all, I ain't into that no more. That was my, you know. Yeah. That makes true. sense. I'm not giving him a pass, but I'm saying that's not what he'll be remembered for in, in, in the, the long world. run. Yeah. That's, and, and that fluidity was his brand. What I think is significant about why we can use Prince to talk about the topic that we're, we're discussing is, um, is because like he, he, in a way that I don't know anybody else can, has been able to do it at, he has, he has managed to maintain his masculinity and non-threatening masculinity with other people. Like even like the, the machoist of people mm-hmm. could be comfortable with his masculinity um, while also being extremely feminine and embracing femininity and even like admiring it and putting it up on a pedestal, whether it's his own femininity or the femininity of the people around him. Um, he also managed to, tell a story just by his exist like like just just tell a story about how you can maneuver as everything all at once you know kind of thing like it's a, such a part of him literally when he decides to to take away his name so that he could fight the record companies and stuff like that he creates a symbol that is the masculine and the feminine built into one thing the love symbol um good point that is that is you know he's saying i am not just this i am not just that um, his and song stopped the world from saying his name for years. Yes, for Until years. He gave us permission. Right. There's there's something. I think there's a magic to 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 how he lived his life that allows us to be. And I think, especially as a queer person, um, I can say that like he is a mark of how how you can do this. Like you can change your name. You can make people stop calling you the thing from the past you can reclaim that name again later if you want to on your own terms um you could literally make it impossible for people to call you something <laughs> he didn't change his name it was glyphs it was a glyph speaking of thinking of um yes taff cap the artist formerly known as prince the journal people were writing about him uh, you know People like me, journalists, writers, authors, it was abbreviated. You know, the acronym was TAFCAP, the artist formerly known as Prince. Or people said the glyph. The glyph, the artist, yeah. Referencing the symbol, right? The glyph. Um, But TAFCAP, the artist formerly known as Prince, like he told the world, he told the world, you can't say my name anymore because Warner Brothers is exploiting me, da-da-da-da-da. And we all stopped calling him Prince. And then... Sometime later, when he had done what he wanted needed to do, he came back and said, "Okay, y'all come Prince again." And we immediately went back to it too. Like it was, yes. But thank you. I actually wasn't thinking about that in terms of what you're talking about. But that's really, really profound and really important. Yeah, it's. I I think it's significant in a way Mm -hmm. that that like, um, to have some sort of beacon for a queer to to be a queer person so i i exist across the spectrum of queerness where it was queer the word queer is still it was used to hurt and harm and chase and and all this kind of stuff to the point that with a younger generation than me reclaimed the term to to where it could just be used without feeling uncomfortable i mean it 
to be fair, I it took me a while for the term to to not be uncomfortable anymore. Um, and there's still people that I talk to within the LGBTQ plus community that still find the term queer. So I'm acknowledging that that while queer is comfortable for me, it's not necessarily comfortable for everybody else. Uh, but he but those of us that are within that community, I think he he's an example. He's a queer icon without being an acknowledged necessarily queer person from his own mouth um, because he because of the things he's done, he get, he he gave us some examples of how we can do this. Now that transgender people are able to start to claim their names and say, like, you don't get to call me this dead name anymore. Um, you know, that wasn't language that that people that would probably identify as transgender today that back in the 80s might have identified as uh, transsexual or transvestite or something like that, um, They that they wouldn't have had necessarily the same room to do, to do that kind of stuff in. Um, and I think he's a, I, I do think he is an example of how we start to do that. Um, also, I, I've never experienced a single gay event that brings us into presence in some form um, or another in music. Like he's always there. Him and Dan Donna Summers are, we're always together. Um, but I, it's so like, cause there's a lot of queer icons that aren't necessarily queer people, but they're just a part of our community in some, in some mm -hmm. form. Mm -hmm. But when we were talking about like how to connect this to race, um, it just seemed like, and you even said when you pitched it, you were even like, this might be kind of my random left field type of <laughs> thing. And I was just like, literally that's my existence. Like I'm ready to talk about this because I, I talk, I, you know, I do this all the time. Like I, I will say, and I think I did say even earlier on this, I don't remember if it was offline or when, after we hit record, like I'm always a black and Japanese, but I'm always a black Asian person. And even though I grew up predominantly black within black culture around black people and definitely was identified and identified myself as a black person. Um, if anybody had questions about why I looked the way I was like, Oh, I'm black with a Japanese mom. Okay. Everybody gets it. You're black. We're fine. Where I don't have the reverse of that in the Asian community, definitely not more specifically in the Japanese community. And so I would say that my, my Asianness is so strongly tied to my blackness that I don't get to maneuver as a Asian in quotation fingers. I maneuver as a black Asian in yes. quotation fingers, right? As a black person, I think I used to be able to maneuver more often as a black person without question, where now there is the younger generation did kind of shift the culture to a degree where I do have to put forward my mixedness. Um, and, and I, and I'm experiencing that now living in a predominantly black neighborhood in Houston, I had a black owned business in a black community and the questions about me not being more obviously black presented itself because I was wearing a mask, it was a pandemic and I look more Asian, I guess, I, um, when I'm wearing a mask. So now my blackness is tied to my Asianness, but mm -hmm. I, I, I lived a good 30 plus years of that not being the case. My blackness was black and then my Asianness was black Asian. Um, but now my blackness is Asian, my Asianness is black. And, and so I'm at all times existing as a fluid person. You know, I can't not I, a racially fluid person. I can't, I, I mean, I can I can be like, you know, we're all black here, blah, 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 blah. And if I'm in community with people who know me, they would be like, yeah, nobody's stopping you to say, don't forget that you're mixed Asian, you know. Um, but when I'm in a predominantly Asian space and I say us as Asians, which I do do, someone says, oh, is it the same for you? 
mm-hmm. which immediately lets me know that within Asian community, I'm not seen as a garden variety Asian person. Right. Um, and so knowing that I walk around like this, I know everybody else, you know, like I know all the other mixed folks are walking around with some version of this too, probably more so with the more racially ambiguous in our presentation folks, you know, whereas like whether or not you want this to be the case about your experience, if you're a black Asian, but you look more quote unquote phenotypically black, then yeah, you're probably maneuvering as just a black person. And then Mm -hmm. people know maybe that you're, you know, half Korean or, you know, Filipino or something like that. Um, where I'm less familiar with phenotypically Asian mixed black folks where you're just like, what you you've got black and you know, like I think I'm closer to an example of that than, than any mixed black Asian that I'm aware of. Uh, Whereas like in terms of white Asians, there's a lot that kind of, you know, can look Asian or can look white and you're surprised to find out that they're mixed. Um, So in their cases, they might be maneuvering as whatever is the most obvious presentation for them. But for me, because I can't separate from myself that way, like I know there's other people like me like out there, you know, I know I know that we're existing like this. So if we have this magical ability (laughs) of to at all times be um, a hybrid person in our appearance, in our identity, in how we maneuver, then um, there isn't much to separate how we can talk about that in terms of a fluidity within gender and a fluidity within sexuality. In my case, I'm a triple threat. I got all that shit going on. Yes, <laughs> you, know, like, you are. I, you, you are. Know, you so are. I can talk about it. Like I'm ready, you know, and I'm ready to talk about it within a shared community or a, a, outside of my community because I think it'll be, you know, hopefully it just makes it easier for other people like me if the people that are around them can get that they are at all times existing as these multiple things. Um, it's also so bizarre that we, we live in a Western society that is so restrictive like that. Like why those binaries are so important within Western society is very confusing to me. And the only thing I can get to besides, you know, besides the easy answer, which is white supremacy as well, is why did white supremacy do that? Except that, they saw indigenous people from all these lands they were conquering and they were like, Hmm, why aren't they more obviously male, more obviously female? Why are they having sex with people who look similar to them? Why are they practicing, you know, all these different cultural things that, you know, just the difference from them, I guess is the reason, but I still don't really, I I don't understand the functionality of the binary (laughs) <laughs> I, I see the functionality as this, and you just gave a great um, um, prep for that, is the, that white supremacist, patriarchal, Christian, and this mm-hmm. is not to put down Christians, Christianity, but that combination and the way it's shown up, and again, let's just let's just stick to the USA for now, although it's not only applicable to the USA, but that's it. We both know and live in and navigate. Right and are referring to specifically was literally built on that foundation, Charmaine. It was literally built on those binaries. Think of it, if we look at our society, the US, however you wanna look at it politically, socially, culturally, in every way as a building, the foundation that was laid before the building started being created was those binaries. Mm -hmm. And I believe, I mean, all of them, just like everything done in the context of, of this, these systems, is done to control people 
And control means restricting. Control means defining for you and and slapping that definition on you and ignoring or even preventing or denying you the opportunity to share your full self, your real self, your full humanity beyond that very restricted dynamic. So this, this society is built on those. So again, we're busting out with the gender and the sexuality, but I think one reason is gender. these gender and sexuality identities, you've got... A, They've got plenty of folks from the white majority leading and being in both of those movements. In, mm-hmm. And I'm talking about from a mainstream U.S. perspective. I mean, we we know how popular entertainment, right, impacts us. So what I remember really clearly, and I'm not saying these are the only things, but I'm I'm coming from a mainstream pop culture perspective. I remember things lead up to it and then there's a tipping point, so to speak. So I remember when male homosexuality started to be a little more accepted and granted, none of these things are fully accepted. They'll, they're always going to be, you know, folks who push back was Brokeback Mountain. Mm -hmm. That movie tipped. And as wild as it is, considering this person's politics and class economic status, Caitlyn Jenner going on was it with Leslie Stahl or whatever TV show that was, began the tip toward at least acknowledging this new thing. Not that people were necessarily any old, especially older people, necessarily any more comfortable with it. But what happens is when when mainstream pop culture with a person many of the people can identify with, right? And don't think is so bad because again, Caitlyn Jenner is still a white Republican, right wing Republican. So the only switch, yeah, the gender switch. And we all watch like okay, and even I'll within know. their gender switch, the way they refer to themselves is like athlete, global icon, Olympic, very male athlete, Mm -hmm. male presenting, forgive me if I'm getting the language wrong, y'all, but, you know, yeah, I mean, it was like this uber macho icon, you referenced that earlier, all of a sudden you're looking at and you're like, so it gave you a second to take in the idea, even though everything you'd known before, maybe, you know, was was balking or was going, okay, wait, this is, this is, okay, what? But again, Tipping points. And and the same for gender and sexuality. I think one reason they've been moved forward and both groups, all the groups, I'm sorry, forgive me, have lobbies, Mm -hmm. have well-organized political structures to lobby the government, to lobby for change. And that, believe me, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's something many communities of color don't have and haven't managed yet to pull off in the same kind of way. And maybe it's not possible in this hierarchical structure because we're not in a level playing field and it's not all things being equal, let's be real. Yeah, yeah. So what we're talking about and why this is maybe dangerous, maybe even more so than these other things, because if you can get, okay, 
if you can get, if you can say, okay, we're just going to do gender for a minute. And this is what, you know, I'm how I'm looking at it. Okay. If I can, tomorrow I can just announce, okay, I am he, him, they, them, whatever it is that, you know, I'm cisgender, hetero, she, her right now. That's how I've been, you know, that's me. But if I were, if I were to change, if that were to change, I now have for the first time in U.S. history and maybe global history, a framework in which I can announce a change in evolution or just a reclamation of my real self that I've had to hide all these years mm, mm. and many other things. But I can now say, yo, 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 listen, y'all, we can be on a Zoom screen. You can say Teresa Stovall, he, him, they, her, they, da, 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 right? Mm-hmm. There's now language and an, and, a, and an accepted, not that every single individual accepts sure. it, but an accepted, recognized, validated, institutional way. And more and more, well, I did complain about the airlines saying, are you male or female? More and more forms and organizations and, you know, and, and official documents, they, they have are starting to adjust. male, female, non-binary, other, I prefer not to say. Yeah. Okay. Uh, even my doctor here in Texas, of all places, has a uh, category for sex, born sex, and category for gender. There you go. There you and go. that was huge to see because I hadn't even seen that in LA yet before I left. And here I am in Texas, which is literally chasing down trans uh, affirming families mm. and on my doctor's form. Right. But then that opens up a different question of shit, do I check this box? Right. In because a state that not, is, <laughs> yeah, like in a hostile environment. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that part too. But we, we also talked about that with checking the mixed race box for the census too. So, like, exactly. Being strategic. So now there are actual official ways for me, for us, for you, for everyone to express their gender identity. And we are learning and becoming more comfortable with the notion that it could change. It is fluid that the notion of fluidity, mm-hmm. that's the new, the newest of the new concepts that, yeah. that society is getting used to. So you, and see you, you're my primary, I brag on you all the time to my boomer <laughs> friends, y'all. And some of my Gen X friends are like, trust. I said, I got to stay up on this stuff, but I was like, it's Atlanta I, I, and all these people are like, Oh, you're Charmaine. I'm just going to be like, <laughs> what did I do? I know, but this is everywhere. This is my friends everywhere. But I mean, I'm always like, no, I've got somebody. Because if a couple of my friends said, "How?" I said, "They said your kids teaching you something." I said, "Well, they could, but I'm, I'm hitting up, you know, Sir Auntie May. I'm hitting up my girl because can I call you my girl? Yeah, I must. Okay, thank you. Because you know, you, you'll tell. That's me very when. selective. Uh, well, thanks for asking. That's, it's very selective as to when that's comfortable for me, and it's it's certain okay. levels of closeness thank of you. people. Uh, a rando on the street does it and I'll be like um actually you know so it's a right. it's a different thing because yeah but also I was doing it in the cultural context yeah in the cultural context that, that's the thing so pretty much I'm gonna say this even though it might be read terribly it really only happens in the black community that I keep it open but but, I, but that's how I'm saying it to you <laughs> <laughs> I don't say it to other people but we have that in common so yeah if somebody's gonna get mad about that great hit us up but that ain't the point Point is that you keep me up. So 
So that that society is moving. The needle is moving, as the, as the mm-hmm. cliche goes. The needle is moving. The needle has moved. It is constantly moving. Here we are now. Let's now, now let's focus strictly on race slash ethnicity, mm-hmm. right? Now, first of all, one thing we all know, or I hope I want to remind everybody, because we get our we get our official information from the census, the U.S. Census, held once a decade, right? The U.S. Census is interesting. In my memoir about growing up mixed, I literally detail how different races are described from the first census in the 1800s to the 2020 census. Mm. Literally, I literally, I bugged those census people for months. And they literally <laughs> finally were like, oh, my oh God. here she go again. She is not going away. I was like, I need that. And so I literally verbatim from every census, how race and ethnicity is categorized and how it shifts. It is always done, just so y'all know, big picture. It is, it is anytime it's an official form, okay, it, and especially government, it is always done for their purposes, their agendas, their advantage. Mm-hmm. And especially in the US census, it is not, it is only designed for their manipulation and for their allocation of resources and for how they're going to perceive and describe and and structure and control their society. Let mm-hmm. us be clear. There's nothing, um, there is nothing benign about it. I'm not saying it's evil. I'm just saying be clear about it. And so my thing is, I would feel bad for anybody who's gaining their personal sense of identity from a census category. In any yeah, group. which we do see. We definitely saw posts of, like that during the a census. A lot of yeah. that. And... And it's always in flux. There are always yeah. groups lobbying. Like right now, we now have a nice acronym, MENA, Middle East and North African folk, who have long been categorized as white. White, yeah. Because of all the reasons um, that white people want them to be categorized as white. And some, there's some pushback there. There's pushback from some other groups for more specificity, for a different kind of inclusion, Afro-Latin people, mm-hmm. all these kinds of things. So I just want, you know, in, in talking about official categories, but decisions are made based on that data. And mm-hmm. we don't know how that data is manipulated. None of us see the sources. So when mm-hmm. we see a report, which becomes a news story, and then we accept it as truth, that's how it works, right? Yeah. But it's but it's not necessarily representative of the of the act of actual humanity of the actual citizenry or society the people walking around living their lives. Yeah. So when we so when we get to race and ethnicity, let's go. Okay, so we're on a binary, right? And in the United States, historically, um, it's a black or white binary because mm-hmm. it's a white supremacist domination, anti-black racism, and everything else and every other group of people falls somewhere again along that spectrum. But, mm-hmm. the, but what never changes is the white supremacist domination and the anti-Black racism. Right. Okay, so it, it's an essential that we lay that groundwork for context, right? Mm-hmm. Because that never, that hasn't budged since 1619. Right. Not one iota. Needle has not moved. Okay, in reality, there it hasn't. But and black, I say mixed black, and you know, because you and I are mixed black, but we're not black white. But that's a whole other conversation. But just for generalization, mm-hmm. black white mixed people aren't new either. Been here since yeah. sixteen nineteen. Okay, um, but what? The, but the, dy- the dynamics are different. Mm-hmm. 
and there's more and more variations on the theme of being mixed in general and mixed black in particular than there other ever have been. Yeah. It's multi-generational like you. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there's just all kinds of things. So, and yet, and we know because we both work pretty much full time in the areas of identity, you in all three spectrums. Me in the <laughs> it's tiring. Spectrum. I'm over here, race, ethnicity, nationality, religion, because my black Jewish, blah, blah. Um, we, but we full time in this world, in these streets, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and we see, we, pay, we spend a lot of time observing and interacting with mixed, other mixed people who are grappling and what yeah. I'm seeing a lot of is I don't even think there's a conscious awareness of how many of the younger, especially again, black, white, I want to be specific for a minute here, not to exclude anybody else, but because that fits the binary and the history and the politics and the systemic racism in this country, mm-hmm. it can't be ignored and it, it, it will always be central. It will always be central and it will always override any other mix. Is that fair? Is that right? Not necessarily. Is it real? Yes, it is. And it's not going to change. Right, right. I just want to say that. I just want to say it. You don't have to <laughs> like it, but that's, this is historic political truth. So with that being said, so here we are and you see these folks grappling with this binary, right? Charmaine, you see mm-hmm. them fighting with it and you see them, well, I'm, I'm just as much white as I am black. I, I can be white too. And I'm like, Okay, well, that's not my understanding. Of yeah. But explain it to me because I want to understand you because your reality is something I am not familiar with. That's one of those things like I hope it is the case for the younger generation if that's how they wish to maneuver and things like that. But like in, in our experience being from the generations that we're from, those weren't our options. And short of being 100% passing in the yeah. In the sense of passing from way back, right? Not, you know. Like, like nobody act- is ever wondering what you are. Right. They just like, straight up. Like that- in the case of, I think you brought up that, that musician, the Halsey or Halsey. Or yeah, whatever Halsey, is, Halsey right? yeah. Like had nobody told us, she, you I would have missed her. I, she was not one that I was picking up, right? So not like say someone with a pre- presentation similar to her. Right. If she you didn't have to tell look, us. You have to look white with no with nothing no ambiguity this no ambiguity like nothing not a curl not a nothing not a nose mouth not an eye nothing right right that that's the way i think in which what the younger generation means when they say that like we we grew up where you have to look like halsey to be able to not own your blackness as a mixed black person um or to at least acknowledge it like sure. Yeah. World, like nobody was saying to you, you weren't describing yourself with white as the first word out your mouth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm mixed. I'm light. I'm ambiguous. Look at da, 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 Right. And most of the time it was deci- it was it wasn't even saying I'm black and white mixed. It was saying I'm black with a white mama, which is exactly the situation of my friend and co-host of Black Blurred Comics. I'm black with a white mama. Like that's what I did. I'm black with a Jewish mama. That's yeah. how his family identified. That's how our friends identify. Yep. If he says something that isn't even remotely viewed as non-black, someone in the group would chime in. Oh, he got a white mama. And then that right. would clarify the point. That clarifies it. Yeah. Exactly. And that might not be the case for the current y- young generation and what happens after. I don't know what that looks like. I, I can't really relate to it in a way where I say like, I hope that people can identify the way 
they wish to identify within their actual ethnic and racial breakdowns, I think, but like, I can't relate to it. So I don't know how to make that comfortable for someone like me where I think it becomes dangerous. And maybe this is what you might've been alluding to earlier is when somebody says my fluidity means I can do a, she who will not be named from Washington move where you pretend to be a race of somebody and say, well, it's my yeah. fluidity. I've always felt like I was this where that's a different thing. That's a culture vulture. That is somebody who right, is trying exactly. to, that, that we're not co-signing or, or supporting yeah. that. Um, but if you come from, you know, but like for the person that I speak to on the show regularly, let's say a black, white, biracial person to keep it within this context, who doesn't get to be seen as black or white or whatever it is that they are predominantly around. Those are the people that I'm talking about. Like, I hope you are able to find the way to maneuver comfortably and be your whole mixed ass self. That being said, society absolutely dictates. Well, right. Society isn't right. When they say I'm just as much white as I am black. I'm like, well, yeah, on a genetic, you might be more white than you are black. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. I'm more Jewish. Like, what happens to you when you walk through the airport, when you walk through TSA? What happens to you when you get pulled over by the police? What happens to yes. you when you try to get a bank loan? This is what yes. we're talking about. We're not trying to invalidate anybody's racial and ethnic identities or cultural identities by no means. Yeah. When we talk about this stuff, we talk about being realistic and how you maneuver. That's why we talk about the fluidity of identity. We talk about my experience. Here's what I am ethnically. Here's what I am racially. Here's what I am culturally. Here's what I, you know, here's what I want to let you identify me as. All of those things exist at the same time. Yes. So if I'm still as an ambiguous brown, yellow, you know, person. <laughs> blackish. In a blackish, you know, like if whatever, if this is how I look and I walk into a grocery store in West LA and I'm being followed around by white women, like always would happen to me in that moment, I'm not mixed Maine. Right. I'm no. black. You're black. And I know that. And yeah. I absolutely know that if that the person might not be identifying me as a black person, what they are identifying me is as an other an other that makes them uncomfortable enough, a non-white person. Exactly. And that's, that's what, that's the binary that people. we're talking about. Yeah. Yes. To the young people we're talking about right now who are like, well, I'm white. I can be, I'm like, again, like you said, not to impose my perspective, but nothing has actually changed in this country. So you can go around with, I'm just as much white, whatever, but white folks. Mm -hmm. Okay. And by that, I don't necessarily mean your family, the friends, the one who like, love you or want you in their, in their crew, but whiteness, white the America is still based whites. on yeah. the premise that you are either pure, whether you're actually pure or not, that's based on the notion of purity, their notion of it and exclusivity, or even if they're including Mina and Jewish people, all that, some Jewish people, that's a whole nother conversation we will never have. Mm -hmm. But, um, um, but whiteness, I guess my question to them is, is whiteness letting you in? Is whiteness, they'll say, well, that's I, a good way of whiteness letting you in, not different individuals and all that. No, no, no. Is whiteness letting you, is, is the political systemic whiteness that we're talking about that controls every aspects of everybody's life. I don't care who mm -hmm. you are. 
ultimately, like you said, you're going to run up against it in a store in an airport somewhere, right? Um, is that whiteness, you know, you might cl lay claim and, and, you know, stake your flag in the ground of whiteness and let it fly and do whatever, but are they letting you in? Yeah. And if they're letting you in, are they letting you in as white? I'm a skeptical. I'm not saying they're. I'm skeptical people, of that as well. But there, there's 400 plus years of history where there are no exceptions to that rule. How come you are an exception? You got to show me how yeah. you're an exception for me to believe you. Again, I'm not. I'm not doubting you as an individual. Your credibility. Yeah. I'm just saying there's 400 years of history and too many millions of 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 examples. How come you're? You know, are you really sure? Are you really sure? That's how it works in reality. Yeah. And then I guess the bigger question is, so on this binary, so for instance, you and I live in this world, we float around and you do it in all three ways, lanes, and I just do it in one of the, the, the language, I'm mixed, biracial, multiracial, multigenerational mix, da, 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 da. there's new words every week, all that, just like with the gender and the sexuality. That's all mm -hmm. great. It shows we're evolving. It's challenging all of us. It's helping all of us grow. Yes. But- I don't think in reality, and I'm talking about the structural systemic bi racial binary mm -hmm. now, I don't think even all the words we wrestle with, grapple with, talk to each other about, talk, you talk to everybody about on this wonderful show and they talk to you back and all this. I don't know that we have nudged the binary one iota. I don't, I hate that this is the case, but I agree. I don't think that we have because, uh, and it's, it's actually kind of jokingly why I do such a long intro about myself. Like it's not narcissism, although it might, it might sound like that, but I'm literally showing how complicated an identity can be by using my own identity and also changing it and updating it when different things happen in my life. Right? Like when I first started doing this, I used to say the busiest mixed race bisexual by uh, poly or bisexual polyamorous atheist comic book nerd cat mom in the podcasting game. And then I added the by gender and the award-winning thing, because of course it was part of the podcast. So I wanted to include that part. Um, but like I did, there was a period of time where I had mask making in there because I was making masks. Yes. Like there was a period of time where I was, and, and while these aren't necessarily identity things, what, what I was doing with that is showing like, there is a time period when something becomes so intense in your life that it becomes a part of how you describe yourself. And then there's times when it dips. And so that's why you can listen to my show from four, three years ago and hear it one way, listen to it two years ago, hear it another, listen it, to it three times this year and hear it differently as well. Um, but when it comes to like me being my mixed ass self, I am at all times my mixed ass self. How I decide to talk and, and whatever is me. But when I am in a grocery store being followed by a white woman, which happened to me at my regular ass grocery store in West L.A. all the time. I was a non-white. That's all exactly. that's all society was telling me in that moment. Yep. I, I had white women ask me, why are you putting your groceries in your bag, your tote bag? And I said, because it's convenient. I don't want to hold all my groceries like that. I didn't need a cart. You know, like, I'm not telling me, I'm not saying that I described this to a woman. I'm just saying, like, these are the reasons why I was putting my groceries in my I, tote bag. No, I'm not looking like that because of your response. Yeah. I'm looking like that because I want to slap up. Like, how's the, why is the question asking? And so I, so for this particular time that it happened, um, the first time it happened, I said, why are you putting your groceries in a tote bag? And she looked at me like, 
how, how dare you, you know, how you dare ask questions. Well, why do you get to, how dare you ask me that question? But I don't get to, how dare you, because you're the first person to ask, because guess what I wasn't doing. I wasn't following a random white woman around a grocery store, curious about what they were doing with their life. I was buying my groceries. You're right. And I was using my tote bag to carry my groceries to bring myself to the because checkout counter. Because you were not white. Because, But I because I was not white. There's so, white and there's not white. And I'm yeah. not, not white. There's a spectrum and there's a spectrum. an inclusion. Yeah. Because we but are I was at least not white enough to be followed in a grocery store. I, I I'm, yes. I'm not white enough to be held up at customs every time I come back into the country. Baby, despite having an American passport. We baby. talk about how that blue passport is so meaningful around the world. Yes. I get into countries and go through customs. No problem. I come back home. My blue passport means fuck all. And the reason why is because in that moment, I am a non-white, whatever the fuck that means to the person behind that counter. I'm, all, I'm just- The people behind the counter are often black and brown. And black, you know, it, it has happened. But it's PSA. It, it's yeah, in, in most cases for me, it has happened to be a white person. But yes, I have watched black and brown people pull Girl, Middle Easterns out of the line. Can we do a whole episode on our airport escapades, please? Oh yeah, because we have brought up the airport a few times on this show. We should do. Oh, that. No, you know that is my bane of my existence. Yeah, it's it's a it's a rough thing, but um, no, but so like when, when when I talk when I talk about being my mixed ass self, that is about me. When I talk about how I maneuver the world, I maneuver with that level of caution, understanding that just because I own myself does not mean that society is going to treat me like I own myself. Does that mean I stop owning myself? No. Girl, that's a meme. <laughs> I got a fa- I got a finger like a wait a minute finger because this is getting jotted down. This is getting added to the notes. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 yeah meme. So uh-huh. I like so so I want to be I want militantly mixed to be an empowering space in which we finally as individual mixed people can feel ourselves to see ourselves to hear ourselves to be visibly mixed people, no matter what we look like. I want to be able to maneuver our cultural spaces with confidence and not feel like you have to be apologetic because you happen to be mixed. I want all of that for all of us. At the same time, don't go out there on these streets acting like because you got empowered from militantly mixed or whatever the mixed thing you got empowered from, you go out there and be like, I'm being my mixed ass self. And then you get clocked, you know, like I don't want, I, I want us to still be realistic about what happens out in the world. And I can be my mixed ass self like crazy, but there are systems of oppression in place that are put there to make me stop sometimes. And I need to know how to maneuver those spaces so that I walk out of those spaces safely. Now, do I think I'm as, is in as much of a threatening situation as other brown people, browner people than me? No. Do I think I operate with a certain level of light skin privilege or ambiguous privilege? Yes, I'm aware of it. I'm also aware of it in how I maneuver. I'm not going to pop off and throw my mouth like crazy if I'm surrounded by other darker skinned people because I'm not going to put them at risk. Exactly. But if they're not around me, I might pop off a little bit because while I might still be at risk in that case, you're going to hear me. Ooh, girl, that's a, okay, wait a minute. You gonna send me that clip? That's an episode. We gonna y'all. <laughs> we gonna take that that thought 
also airports in the future. Airports. <laughs> airports. But um, you should you and I should just travel together airports and see what happens. Like we, we stand like four or five people apart. A document, girl. I had to give up my my pre-check, though. I love my pre-check. Shout out to the pre-check. Anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get that because I'm starting to travel entry, a lot. But yes, we should do that. That's a documentary. But that thing, that thing you just talked about, I just wrote down. Okay, y'all, that's gonna be a future episode. Pr- promise, Charmaine. One thing I want to say. Go back to a second. The reason I love, appreciate, and might need your help in learning to uh, do my own version of the way you introduce yourself, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna let me praise you right now and tell you why it's important and why I love, appreciate, and adore it and am fed by it every single freaking time. Okay. Because it's just what you said. Number one, you you and you do it, you know, poetically and musically and with the rhythm. It's from many it. years of practicing Muhammad Ali speeches. <laughs> That's <laughs> I why I do it. That's why I do it. Rapper. I love that. That's and now that you okay, I love that. Um, um, and my my rhythm person is Gil Scott Heron. So what, what are you gonna do with both of us, right? You can't take us anywhere. But I, I love that's perfect though. Um because here's what it does. I for me. And I'd love for, you know, obviously listeners, please respond. Um, for me, it does exactly what you said you want it to do. Two things. Number one, it's affirming. Number mm. two, it helps me appreciate, again, the fullness. I hate to keep using the word spectrum, but the multidimensionality mm-hmm. and the fluid, ever evolving, ever flowing multidimensionality that is you. And when you do it, it does, I, it does for me, and again, listeners, please, please chime in. It does for me what we talked about Prince did for the culture, for the country, for the world, uh, for the planet, which is you're, you're, it, you're giving a beautiful example of one day it might be this, one day it might be that, unapologetically, and that is, in essence, what Prince did. Prince might be strutting around like A one day, B one day, C day one day. He was always very black. Mm. But if you've seen that really, remember the viral clip that went viral maybe a month and a half, two months ago when he was 11 and being entered. He was yeah, yeah, yeah. He was his his, militant. He had a beard. (laughs) Militant. His vernacular was so black. Yeah. I was like, okay. I know was he, he was nine or eleven, he had that little mustache and stuff like that. He was hella yeah, grown he already. You know, I mean he was just straight hood. And I mean, and when I say hood, by the way, y'all, I'm from the hood and it's a love term. Me too. Let's be clear. Yeah. Again, because I don't say I'm ghetto. I say no, I'm no, never, kid. never. Yeah, yeah. If I say ghetto, it's meant to be <laughs> To be fair, if I say ghetto, it's usually white shit it's that's meant happening. To be, <laughs> in any context, it's meant to be pejorative and it's specific. But no, I'm not I was laughing, I was like, look at him. But, but my point is, he, you know, there, he was always very black. But the point is that he, that that's what your intro does. And that's why I love and, and strive to at some point emulate your intro in some way. That's what your intro does. And it does it in an era where we all have social media bios and, and things like that. Where that, I've actually taught classes on your social media bio, you know. So that's a thing now that people actually have to have. If you're 10 years old and you're on social media, you need a bio with links, you know. I know. Link that's tree. Wild. Anyway, oh, but, but that's the world we're in. My point is that's kind of like your link tree. It's kind of like, and I love that, as you said, and I think this is important, that it's always shifting. Mm-hmm. 
and it should have all the things for me it's like a it's like your theme song yeah but it's a theme song that gets remixed as you move through the world yeah so that's what i'm calling it get somebody use one of your friends put a beat behind it um yeah <laughs> i i i i it was oddly empowering. The The reason why it even started is because I was going to be doing my very first stand-up um, attempt at uh, Marie's, uh, Marie's comedy. They had a curated comedy show for, at the time, it was predominantly like queer. A lot of us happened to be mixed. Most of us were femme comedy show at the Ruby Theater. And they invited me to do a set. And I had never done stand-up before, but I'm generally a funny person. So I always wanted to try it. And I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And I, I did, most of my set was based off of mixed stuff. But uh, Marie hit me up and was like, I need a bio for you. And I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And so I in like, I only had a little bit of time to give it to them. And so I wrote down like busiest mixer. And they're like, so I got it. So what the original one was for, for Marie to introduce me on stage. And I giggled so hard hearing myself introduced that way that I ended up doing it on my show after that. And so now, like I said, as it, as it evolves, depending on what's going on in my life. Um, yeah. Cause at one point it also said comic book store co-owner and I'm obviously not that anymore. So uh, it was a big part of my identity for a period of time. Uh, so I, I feel like this is a way of showing like uh, identity is fluid, no matter what that entails. And in my case, it entails gender. It entails sexuality. It, it, it entails my love style because I am polyamorous. It entails some of my career stuff that I do and it entails uh, my mixedness. And I lead with all of those things when people meet me because I, I can't be treated. I, I can't make it easier to treat me like one thing. Because I don't know how to be one thing. My entire life has dictated that I don't get to be one thing. That's a meme. Um, <laughs> where are y'all? Sorry, I, I just have to pop off and say it. But but on the real, that is me. Um, I I'm agreeing with you, and I think that's why I love it. It's also an affirmation. It's a reclamation. Yes, that part. Too. And the fact that it's fluid. And, I, and now that you told me it's inspired by Muhammad Ali, I just want to so, I just want to lay down on the ground. Like, yeah, you know, is, like I'm I have been obsessed with Muhammad Ali my whole life. Now that you and, say it, I, I hear it. But I listen, like it. I don't wrestle with an alligator, don't tussle with a whale, handcuff lightning, throw thunder in jail. Only last week I murdered a rock, injured a stone, hospitalized a brick. I'm so mean, I make medicine sick. My little eleven year old ass is walking around the house doing that shit over and over again. You know. The hands can't hit what the eyes can't see. You know, like all that stuff. Like I'm walking around like I, I adopted a Muhammad Ali cadence because I loved him so much. And to find a way to like be poetic about myself. I yeah. So there is a kind of a cadence. It's my cadence, but it's a it's definitely influenced by Muhammad Ali. I love that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. <laughs> but no, but please, that that's my whole point is that that's what you're doing is so important for all of us because it's a, it's a very creative appealing. We like, I almost want to dance to it. You know, yeah. it's a very creative appealing mm -hmm. reminder of everything we're talking about. You're saying to people, look, Hey, I'm i I'm going to identify the parts of myself I feel like emphasizing today, this minute, in this mm -hmm. context right now. And it might be different tomorrow. Yeah. It might be different by lunchtime. Last you know, month, I was a Black Asian like crazy. 
today, you know, like, because it was, it was AAPI month and I was doing all these AAPI things, but I wasn't an AAPI person. I was a black AAPI person. You know what I'm saying? So like, I feel like that absolutely does happen. And when you can identify it for yourself, I think there's a lot of empowerment in it only because that's what I experience. Um, I hope that's what what I think we're all working to do. Yeah. I want to, I want to praise you for it. You don't ever stop. And so, but can we, so, so for instance, and we've, I've seen people that, and I've seen people doing this for decades, usually mixed black, white males, by the way, um, who are, you know, my age, my generation, very rarely, and I'm not going to name any names, but they've been out there with, well, this is so we can just transcend race and labels. I never see women saying it, but I've often Mm. seen men saying it again for decades now, for decades now. Um, again, not in any numbers, just one here, one there. You'd be like, yeah, yeah. Like, it's just the thing that pops. You become more you, aware. How do you do that? Right. But anyway, um, and, and so to that point, um, will, will we ever get, because the majority of people are not white, are not part of a power structure that can shift these things in ways that we who are where we are can't. Um, will we folk, but 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 also in mixed spaces see people who say, well, my racial identity is food. Or what's more interesting is a lot of monoracial people, we'll have a whole episode on the pros and cons of that term, but just using it right now for convenience. Um, monoracial people presume, especially with those of us, I think, who are super ambiguous looking, presume they'll say, well, your identity is fluid. I'm like, my identity can be fluid in the eyes of people looking at me. Mm-hmm. My identity is, my, yeah. has never budged a centimeter in 68, in 68 years. Mm. I was born this way. I've been, this, you need to, I will give you contact information for the people who have known me since birth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll be like, oh no, Teresa just always, you know, yeah. I mean, this is literally, my point is, my flu, I don't have fluidity, okay, in the way I see myself or the way I see the world. Right. The world looks at me and can decide I'm fluid because they don't know or they assume or something else. But the point is, so if we go, let's just stay on race, ethnicity now, mixed people, period. But you see the people in the mixed spaces saying, well, yes. Some days I feel this and some days I feel that. I'm like, okay, okay, I can, you know, fine. I get that. But in reality, and you made a really good point. And I think, again, I think that should be a whole podcast we do is you got to be real about the, the politics, the dynamics, whatever yeah. word you want to use about the. Oh, that's, that's the word I didn't say. Poli- how I politically identify politically. could be different than how I ethnically black. identify. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Then, yeah. yeah and I'm like, politically black. You're light skin. You're not going to get, I said, that's that's I'm not the only light skinned black person on this planet. You know, like, what I'm that's, saying? that's yeah. never not been part of the black experience. Everything and it's not like there's not a whole lot of light skinned black folks that aren't like so hardcore black that like some right. of us forget right. that we happen to be light skinned. <laughs> that's, that's, that's just now starting to become like a determining fact, you know. But yeah. my my bigger thing is, you, so let me give you an example, y'all. Tell me, tell me if this works. So 2016. Picture 2016, three, four days after the election of Cheeto. That's all the name I'm gonna give you. Okay, to the to the white, white, to the white, white, white house. Um, and it was a race, there's an organization called Facing Race. 
I think it's called facing race or race forward. But anyway, maybe it's called race forward in the anyway, facing race, race forward. Forgive me, I didn't look it up. But they were having they have a conference, an annual or semi-annual or biannual conference or semi-annual conference. And they were having it in Atlanta where I live. And I was all excited. I took the day off work and I thought, oh, there's, you know, lots of big name speakers and folks, and it was just going to be fun to, you know, connect and, and, and all that. And um, I'm filling out the registration form. This is 2016. I am a boomer context. Okay. I'm filling out their registration form. They are not based in Atlanta or even the South, as far as I know, I can't remember where they're based, but anyway, um, and for the first time I saw the question on the registration form, you know, name, address, da, 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 da. what are your pronouns? I was like, now I'm filling this out at home ahead of time. You know, mm-hmm. online. I had to call somebody. I said, what is, what is this question? I don't understand this question. I would literally, mm. I didn't know what they were talking about. This you, is yeah, I didn't really heard it. Yeah. Yeah. 16, certainly not in relation to moi. Like I, nobody had ever said to me, what are your pronouns? Yeah. You know, I, I knew there were conversations. I'm from the West coast. I got millennial kids who were in college at the time or just out of college at the time. So I'm not completely clueless, but it had never been in my face. Like, Oh, by the way, girlfriend, what's your gender identity? What are your pronouns? Didn't even say what's your gender identity. It just said, what are your pronouns? I was like, they said, Oh, you know. And of course it was a younger person who answered like, duh, but they, there was the duh undertone, which was fine. They said, mm-hmm. your, your gender pronouns i said my what this is like she her i said she her okay now granted y'all again give me a a second of grace for boomer brain but also in 68 years never once Mm -hmm. etc whatever have i been asked anything about my gender every person every day of my 68 years has asked assumed wondered about or something about my racial background yeah so for me the gender thing for me personally has never been, I, I was just completely unfamiliar with this. I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm doing, I'm going to a whole conference about race and they want to know my gender identity. So I said, okay, thank you. So I wrote it in. I was like, okay. So then you get to the conference and you register and you pick up your name badge. So it's got your name and your whoever, you know, whatever organization or business or whatever you're affiliated with. I was there covering for my old blog, Black and Bluish. And so I press pass. And then it says she, her. I'm like, shouldn't it also say black and Jewish? (laughs) You know, I mean, I'm like, part of me is not mad at that. (laughs) What? Part of me is not mad at that because like, everybody already knows that I'm I'm gonna tell you at some point in a conversation that I'm black or Japanese or black and Japanese. So like, I'm not, personally mad at that idea but i know there's a lot of people that would be like oh my god you would save questions and it would save me having to engage in because i'm also there as a journalist i'm there covering yeah 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 exactly yeah but but also not just that i was almost like well the thing that i want people to know is that i'm for your private yeah put it yeah i mean again the she or okay whatever you know and again not to dismiss it but that was my first encounter with it. And then they made a big deal out of it. People would introduce themselves and my pronouns are. So that was my first immersion introduction with it in actually impacting me. Number two, they made a big deal out of having, and this was actually hilarious. And y'all can talk about me all you want, but I raised a son and helped raise a little brother and had a husband or two. But anyway, um, 
they made a big deal out of having a unisex bathroom. They took the women's bathroom, of course, and the big women's bathroom closest to the festivities. And they had signs, if you're not comfortable, and there's a regular gender specific bathroom down the hall, you know, but it was mm-hmm. a big deal. So I'm like, okay, I'm from the West Coast. I'm a hippie. I'm, you know. <laughs> I'm a hippie. And, and I, and I, I'm what? I'm a hippie. I could do this. <laughs> I'm I'm Teresa, but I'm also like, and it's closer and I got to go. So I'm like, okay, this should be interesting. So, and then there's the regular men's bathroom. You know how they do. They're right here. So you Mm -hmm. can see, you know, so you see men going in and out the men's, you see men going in and out the other one, people going in and out the other one. So I was like, okay, that's the gender one. I said, okay, this should be fun. I go in and I use it three or four times. No incident. I'm like, "Mm, they've been not putting no urinals in here because I am not trying to. Anyway, I'm not trying to be around all that. But anyway, the last day, y'all, I go in, open the stall, the seat is up. Now you can talk about me. <laughs> a younger brother, I raised a son, and I've had a husband or two. Okay. I went off. I was like, oh, see, this is why I did that a whole actually thing. is more of the debate about I the sex bathroom. I went off. Charmaine, I came out, I had, I was like, see, this is why I did the whole thing. See, this is why, no, no, mm -mm, my, you do not. And that I was, I was all of a sudden, I was my poor son, (laughs) especially after the divorce. And he's now the only cisgender male in the house besides the dog, you know? Yeah. Oh no, you take, he comes over here, leave the seat up. I come out hollering. See, I don't have to deal with that with a male partner because we have cats and we keep the seat, we we keep the toilet closed so they right. don't drink water right. out. Right, right, and right. And so when we end up in places and the seat is open in people's houses, I'm like, why is your toilet seat open? Like, it makes no but sense you to me. me in the public bathroom. I was fine. No, I absolutely, I absolutely. I was like, yeah. oh, see, no, 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 though. I'm I, not, not going to I do agree that that is more of a debate because, I, well, I mean, I'm also a bi-gendered person. I, I also yes. grew up being rushed into the men's bathroom to pee because the women's bathroom was too long growing up. So, like, I've never really struggled with intersex bathrooms in, in any way, shape, or form. Um, I also understand that that's a different experience for someone like me than for other people. Uh, but, like... When I see a toilet seat up, I do get angry because it's gross and I don't want to have to touch it because that's somebody else's reason to to make me have to touch it. So I end up having to put my foot on it and then, you know, that's the whole thing. That's uh, the whole thing. You feel like it, you're doing toilet yoga. Here's my first time I ever. Oh, I guess I have the the thing. This is the Work It Fest. This was a, a it's a woman podcasting festival. It's the first time they they asked you to, like, put pronouns on your. OK. Thing. Um. And at the time, I only used she, her, hers because they didn't let you. They only let you do she, her, hers. They, them, theirs. He, him, oh, his. They didn't give you. Up. Yeah. So and there was I'm, a trinary. A trinary. Yeah, it was a trinary. Exactly. And then this is the Geek Girl Fest, which is also predominantly um, femme comic book um, thing. And I have stickers. So they gave me stickers. So I got to pick they, them, she, her, oh, he, his. Okay. And since I'm a person, the other part of pronouns that is different from me than different from other people who experience some kind of um, gender fluidity or or transgenderness is my grandmother, who is, you know, Japanese, gets um, English pronouns mixed up because the pronouns aren't used the same way in Japanese as they are in English. So I grew up being called he all the time. 
My brother grew, grew up being called she all the time. So okay. for me, my pronouns, and this has less to do with my, my personal gender identity than just my experience. I am she, they, he interchangeably because of being called he growing up okay. at my Japanese side okay. of the family. Okay. And so, so like the gender pronoun. So your Japanese thing, grandma inadvertently did you a favor. Go ahead. She, yeah, she inadvertently <laughs> really super affirmed my my gender yeah. fluidity because That's like I, cool. I I'm not uncomfortable being called he. I obviously prefer um, masculine uh, honorifics because I prefer sir. Um, I even prefer Mister to be honest. But then ma'am, I don't like ma'am. I don't like Mrs. because it makes me feel connected to my mother-in-law in a weird strange way um uh i would for i guess i prefer madame if you're gonna if you're gonna have to do a okay, yo, thing but, the but there's a different that. story there because when i was a child i wanted to be a madam um i kind of still do to be honest I, oh know, yeah yes, that, that would be the career, um, right uh, that would be the life for me uh but i yeah so like i've always had comfort with interchangeable pronouns so it literally for me means nothing to be called something outside of what somebody assumes i am um i understand this is a very unique situation and i've talked to other people who grew up with um uh particularly asian family members and stuff like that but although i've, I've heard it also with african family members as well that like especially like swahili doesn't have gendered terminologies and things like that for the most part and so like for them like for someone who speaks Swahili, they're like, it's so weird that you guys talk about this. Like I've had, I've had friends who like Kenyans who would be like, it's so weird that you guys focus on gender because literally the word for a pronoun is the same. And now I forget what that word is, but uh, it was the same regardless. And you just understood context of who you're talking about. It didn't matter. The the gender itself didn't matter. Um, so like, that's a, that's not a big deal for me. What is a big deal for me is not being called miss or misses, I mm -hmm. don't like those. I, I I never I never liked them before I really understood. Those? Do people? Yeah. Those? Well, especially because I'm here in Texas now. Oh, so I forgot where you are. Girl. Everything is yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, miss. You know, miss, miss, miss. You know, yeah. misses. Yeah. Uh, and you know, of course, in the in the black community, we also call people miss. You know, whatever. There's someone younger than me who owns a business here that I refer to as Miss and her right. name. Because right, right, right. That it's whole part thing, of the culture, yeah. right? Um, and it makes me laugh that she's younger than me and I'm still calling her Miss Whatever. But like, I you know, I too. did yeah. I did grow up in black church. So this is how you talk also, to people in your there's community. A, again, there's a context. There's a context that involved. Is not, that was not designed to deny anything yeah. about you. And it's just it's like saying girl, girlfriend, I, baby I, girl. I do it almost entirely with black folks a little bit yeah. with brown folks and not with white folks you know right, right, um right. so like that's just basically how it is um that being said i still haven't gotten into the practice of acting for pronouns in community even because they don't matter to me and i have to get to the place of like because when i have started to ask I get this instant, like, thank you for asking response, whether it's a verbal or you can see it on someone's face. And, and so like in the same way that when I say be your mixed ass self to a mixed person on this show and they're like, thank you, I needed that. The asking someone's pronoun within the queer community can do that for some people. I just happen to be one of those people that it doesn't um, impact as much. What I do appreciate is like earlier you said girl, and then you're like, Oh wait, can I, can I say that to you? Like mm -hmm. I 
I said exactly what it is. It's very specific. It's to very specific people, um, black people in general, but it can be dicey there too, but it's mostly like people that I have love for. So like my podcast, play, you know, co-host on blurred comics, we've known each other since we we're eight years old. He mostly calls me bro because that's the kind of friendship we are. But every now and then, if I'm feeling a little soft, he will change it and call me girl. And I didn't notice that was happening mostly when I'm being, when I need gentleness. Mm -hmm. So that's a conversation we'll eventually probably have because mm -hmm. I don't think it's it's intentional. I think it's literally. But that's kind of beautiful though, isn't it's, it? It's, it's really kind of awesome. And I, I yeah, love this about like this that. particular friendship that I have with, with He's Sean He's so Bain. tuned into the nuances of you. With me specifically, like, and it, it goes further than just like calling me bro when we're talking about like some, you know, some nerdy stuff or, or a girl that we both is attracted to or something like that to to a degree of just like being even in tune with my emotional state enough to be like how are you doing girl you know like that kind of stuff happens yeah. and uh and so you know he's just a he's of all my male friends he or male identified friends he he gets it and i don't think he knows that he gets it you know what i'm saying like it's so it's so natural he's to so him tuned that, into you and maybe he's yeah. that maybe he's the kind of, i don't know him the kind of person who's tuned in in general to people Right. He's a girl dad too. So, you know, wow. like I think there's that um, and, and maybe that, but also, like I said, we've known each other since we were eight years old. He can yeah. tell when I become anxious, if we're in public together, he will steer me out of a crowd when he can tell I'm starting to get tense. And this is nonverbal communication between us. Um, he's yeah. also really good with reminding me to snack <laughs> so that I don't get mangry. Uh, so it's just like, it's just a very, in particular, it's just a really good um friendship dynamic that. to have yeah. someone that that's a, that's that aware of you and also that we're not um a romantic is that it's it's outside of romantic yes. sexual like it's literally just two dude friends and one of them happens to have a vagina like literally that is the nature of our friendship and and to have him that in tuned is dope he's also mixed so there's other parts of the intersectionality between us that that i think um you know, brings us that closer. That being said, I realize that we have gone to an hour and 25 minutes. Um, and I know we have way more about this to talk about because we totally can. Uh, but before we get too, too deep in the weeds, um, <laughs> do you want to highlight a little bit uh, your most recent articles for Mixante Confidential and then how people can find you and then we'll start to wrap up? Or do you have any last words about this before? Also? Well, I mean, yeah, last words about this is I want listeners to share your thoughts with this as we're, because we're obviously we're wrestling with this, right? We're both wrestling with this. In A lot of what we've been talking about lately too, is like growth conversation, yeah. growth conversations between you and I yes. so that we grow as individuals, but also so that we're prepared to be the right kind of resource for the people in these categories that, we may or may not be members of in particular last last time's the white passing one. We're not members of that experience. Yes. So we want to be a good resource, but we also don't want to be like expert here. Let me tell you about yourself. You know, right. We want to understand and we want to understand and appreciate. And but that comes from understanding. So yes, growth conversations. I love that. So thank you. So growth conversations. So yes, mixed auntie confidential um is my blog. And it's on Substack. It's mixedauntie.substackoneword.com. So recent topics have been funny. So my last, uh, this week's post was a poem. 
It was a poem in honor of my ancestors that I wrote kind of spontaneously. Um, and the week before that, it was a, an excerpt from my memoir, but I, an excerpt from my memoir about how I'm a jazz baby and how mm -hmm. that influenced my identity, um, the intention and, and the intentional community in the 1950s of black male jazz musicians married to white and in my mother's case, Jewish, because back then Jews were not identified as white. At least my mama wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, intentionally created communities where, where friends and created a, a community where they bought houses. This is in 1950s Seattle in the part of Seattle where people of color were redlined together. Um, and they lived near each other. They socialized together. Of course, the men worked and played music together as well. And the women literally sat at their various kitchen tables and decided in the 1950s, there was no formal birth control. There were no reproductive rights. There was no abortion, legal, safe, mm. to, to have babies around the same time so that their mixed children could grow up with a sense of normalcy and identity. And that's identity. I think that's awesome. It is so awesome. And I took it for granted. Until yeah. I was really working on my memoir and started talking about it, beginning with you and our interview and all that, and realizing. So that's what the other post is about. Of course, my next post will be uh, this <laughs> conversation. Um, but I'm loving how how we find topics to spin off um, that are so important. And again, but but listeners, we want to hear from you. And I'm at uh, at Teresa Talks on Instagram and Twitter. Mm -hmm. And as for Militantly Mixed, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the Tickety Talks. I'm still working on trying to grow the Tickety Talk uh, at Militantly Mixed. And of course, you can always go to MilitantlyMixed.com. Also buy your T-shirts, your logo tees, your Mixed and Hella um, shirts, uh, Mixed and Hella Black, Mixed and Hella Asian, Mixed and Hella Queer. I was going to wear my Mixed and Hella Queer T-shirt today until I realized because of you that it was Prince Day. So I was like, all right. We're doing game blouses today. Uh, but those are out uh, on the website. The Be Your Mix As Self t-shirt is actually still on the website for this year. I'm just going to leave it up this year. And um, and there's tote bags, too. Like, I'm surprised I haven't started seeing people buy these tote bags because I love tote bags. And one says Be Your Mix As Self. So cop you a damn tote bag, people. Seriously. And uh, <laughs> and I guess that's pretty much it for this week. So don't forget to be a mix ourselves. And if you if you would like to engage on this topic, please continue because we had such a good response last time. Email Charmaine at militantlymix.com. That's S as in Sam, H-A-R-M as in Mary, A-N as in Nancy, E at militantlymix.com. Or you can just slide into the DMs. I am way slower now responding to DMs. So don't don't get crazy um, on me. Uh, I'm I'm still a one main show, so, and I got <laughs> I got four shows that I'm working on, and I have like eight Instagram and Twitter accounts uh, for all my different ventures. So, be easy with me on that, but be a mix of <laughs> Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast, produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the One. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget... 
to be your mixed ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.